It says live. It says live. It says live right there. It's yeah. Right now. Yes. Yeah. I can see it. It's <laughs> a great start. Hot start. Welcome to the Mortal Realms, an Age of Sigmar multicast. Grab your hammers so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Please like and subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Your allies through the Realm Gates this episode are... I'm Davey. I was seeking Slanish and found this shard. Not sure what I'm supposed to do with it now. This is Eric riding the YouTube ways to the Keystones. Uh, I'm Aaron, and I don't care what kind of chips we're talking about, potato or gem. You can't just have one. And I'm Paul, and I'm full of shyish. We can all agree about that. Yeah. Yep. In this episode, we are marching across the mortal realms in crusades to find and dominate the Keystone Shards. The Coalescence campaign takes place this weekend, June 10th, a global narrative event being hosted by narrative event organ organizers all over the world, and we're discussing the story, uh, the global buzz, and what we're doing about it locally. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? Great. Pretty all right. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's been a been a bit since we chatted, and uh, obviously we're doing a few new things. Excited to be here. And uh, Coalescence is, is happening this weekend, and, and it's really got me energized. Are you guys feeling it? Yep. Can't you, can't you tell on my face? <laughs> yeah, I can never tell about your face. Having been on the, uh, the planning side of it, you know, we've, we've kind of been talking about it for such a long time. It's, it's uh, pretty shocking that it is almost here. Um, and we'll talk about it more, but uh, our local event, Paul here, is uh, the man behind the wheel for that. And uh, so I'd say as of about two or three weeks ago, kind of most of my, most of my input on the, on the global project was done. It's just been little bits here and there. Um, so, but uh, Paul on the other hand has uh, been doing some pretty monumental amounts of work, but <laughs> we'll hit on Monumental. That. Nice. I like it. <laughs> um, so why don't we kick off with a little bit of uh, just ease us in with some hobby progress um, and chat a little bit about maybe what we've been doing to prepare for coalescence or, or what. So, uh, uh, Davey, why don't you kick us off? Sure. I was, uh, I was in a bit of a bind because I knew that I could not get Karadran overlords painted up in time for it, but it was all I Cause you're not that committed to them. You don't really like them that much. Yeah. Wow. Well, there's, a, there's a lot of boats and dudes to paint, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I was painting, uh, I've got a company, uh, done barring uh, some basing and some, uh, some effects that I'd like to try out. Um, this, I like these models so much is maybe the first army that I'm not really doing much in or anything so far in the way of conversions. And I'm, I'm hoping to use it as a opportunity to do some things like, you know, glowing, glowing eyepieces or, or what have you and uh, weathered armor, some, some painting techniques that I've, I've never really tried before, kind of make it a painting project more than a, a conversion project. But I had to uh, begrudgingly push them away so that I could uh, work on. I got ten gore um, to to flush out the rest of my warband uh, to be going into the gibbering dome for uh, coalescence here. And uh, I've actually been enjoying. I got to got to roll them out for our uh, monthly game night. Uh, my my slanish warband had a lot of fun. A real nail nail biter of a game, uh, and it got me energized for that project again. It's a it's a good game when you know you can be enjoying multiple armies. So. Nice. Yeah. Um, 
I guess I'll go. Um, I was going to try and finish up my Stormcast Vanguard. I haven't been on them for a little bit. I had a little hiatus with some uh, orcs <laughs> with a K. Um, and then uh, I just had, you know, pretty pretty good amount of painting to do in just a week. And, and I probably could have gotten most of it done. Uh, but uh, Paul and I are going to spend uh, uh, tomorrow night, uh, Friday night before the event, getting some more paint on some things. So uh, in lieu of painting up the Stormcast, then um, I'm going to decide. I've just been writing lists this week then. And I got to play a game on uh, Tuesday, um, a prep game uh, with my uh, Beast Claw Avalanche. So it's going to be really interesting bringing them in at this point level. Um, obviously, it seems like it could be uh, pretty crazy having such big monsters on the table. However, um, as long as there's <laughs> so it was it was a fun game uh some really fun challenges and i'm looking forward to to you know forging the narrative so um how about you aaron what have you been up to this week basically exactly like davy uh i was like oh i'm gonna get my orcs done ahead of time but no just no no dice so i'm gonna have to uh resort to bringing just my old ogres but i have been working on the orcs here and there um everything's put together everything's primed um a handful of base coats down um that's about it basically probably the same since last time we talked but uh yeah no i mean it's still <laughs> making progress i don't know do, do i get to count your progress on my terrain like in my oh, column yeah, sure yeah yeah sure sure All right, yeah <laughs> so in that case uh, i've got two pieces of terrain that are almost done so uh add, add that to the wind the wind column so nice. actually been... talking about uh, trying out different painting techniques. I think you were you're busting out like a, a wet stipple effect mm. on the. Yeah, I was doing that exact thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mentally directing your minion Eric to to do such a thing, but I know you put a couple of those up on Twitter. I really liked how that looked. I'm looking forward to seeing those in person. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't buy a ton of of plastic terrain, and I always want to, but I tend to spend my money on more models. Um, <laughs> And, but Aaron's got all of the old kits and, and that sort of stuff, and uh, getting a chance to paint, put paint on those has been a lot of fun. And yeah, trying, trying some um, you know wet blended stippling and stuff to instead of washes because washes can kind of just uh, muddy it up a bit. And um, I don't, I haven't gotten so I'm just trying some new techniques and totally experimenting on somebody else's stuff. So pretty fun. Okay, well that I mean that's news to me. All right, so, <laughs> we talked. <laughs> Some that mental back and forth isn't working so great now, is it? <laughs> Lost in translation, I guess. No, I mean I'm kidding. It obviously looks amazing. Like, yeah, let me lead with that. So. No, it's very cool. Paul, have you got anything to share? Or do you want to hold on to it? Uh, I got a lot to share, but uh, it's going to be going on later because I have not put any paint on a model in two months. So, well, we'll move on. Cool. <laughs> we'll we'll show some things. Um, all right, so um, why don't we uh, jump into the community phase? Um, and in the community phase, uh, we talk about news and events that are significant to the AOS community. So, what are we talking about today? I, I mean, you're the one who's reading it. No, uh, coalescence, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and uh, so, Davey, you talked you talked a little bit about uh, um, you know you and I both spent some time. Um, behind the scenes at the at the neo level, um, kind of the, in the in the group that kind of um, 
put together and organized what what could this event be um, so what when when we first got started with it um, I guess first maybe you could give us an explanation of what coalescence is and then we can chat a little bit about uh, uh, kind of what went into it and, and what we've what we've seen since yeah so at the time it's recording it's kicking off in uh, less than 48 hours here yeah <laughs> oh, goodness yeah really uh, okay <laughs> Paul, but, what are you doing uh, here? The, the idea. Is I, that, I don't know. Um, you know, there, there's a, we have got a lot of match play events um, worldwide, where we we were doing some brainstorming about you know what what would a narrative event look like, and and what cool things could you do with a narrative that you might not as easily do with match play, or you know just not even needing to compare the two, but you know how how can we how can we rep rep uh, narrative play. Um, and uh, you had had an idea, and we were kicking around with some other people about trying to do a, a synced global, you know, having a whole bunch of people playing the same event on the same day well, or the same window. To, to be fair, my idea was like two or three stores uh, yeah. playing. I think uh, you, you wanted like eight stores. You were, you, were, you were saying like, oh, if we got like eight stores, we could have one for each realm. Like, isn't that, and I was like, Man, that's, that's like way too grand a scale. There's no way that's ever going to happen. Um, and so we, we fell into it with the wrong crowd. Yeah, exactly. Like you're, you're usually like the ambitious big thinker around here, and then uh, we had some people who are willing to just you know upscale that even more. So um, every time I try to list off all the people who are involved in the planning, I I inevitably leave people out. But uh, for good, sure, a, a great well, every, everybody you'd expect from uh, you know the 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 raw uh, event crew, um, yep. the hobby hammer uh, event crew, tales yep. of Stigmar. Um, Dave Whitech from Garage Hammer. Uh, Rolling the, Bad. Yep, Eric Elric from Rolling Bad. And then uh, and, uh, Aaron Bostian, who has been a limitless font of energy for uh, a constant. Yeah, really, really impressed with that dude. What he's what he's been able to uh, bring to the group. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So the idea is that we have you know uh, this linked three games telling a story um you're you're playing on behalf of your alliance and this could be these events can be of any size they can be from you know two players marching through the narrative on their on their own in the garage to an event of you know 20 30 whatever um we, we've attempted to make something that can scale and then each of those will report their results we're going to talk a little bit about the story behind this in, in a uh, bit but everyone on june 10th you know, we have a couple outliers here and there um, that that uh, we'll sneak it in on their regular game night. Paul repping the uh, the uh, mug from uh, Wapaka there real quick. <laughs> uh, we we get all these happening at the same time. So not only are you telling a story in your game, you're telling a story at your local event, and then we're telling a story uh, globally, right? Um, yep. Internationally. Um, so it was just a crazy idea experiment and then a lot of a lot of people smarter than me and uh with greater talent than i um managed to figure out a way to make it happen so i i had a fun seat of watching everybody figure it out and uh, occasionally chiming in with uh, a word here or there yeah and it's it's been pretty amazing how you know we you know initially just put out the idea um you know um people chatted talked about it a little bit on twitter um it caught pretty good i think we had like 30 35 people sign up to raise their hands and say, hey, I want to be a, a narrative event organizer, run a coalescence event at a local store or whatever. Um, and then uh, 
Games Workshop uh, reached out to us and said, hey, we'd like to, to help out. Uh, so the, the community team uh, and, and Pete Foley and uh, Ben Johnson and a few other people said, hey, can we get involved? Had a chance to talk with them a little bit. But they posted out on the community page that, about the event. I think it, 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 it tripled the number of people that, who had signed up. It went from like 35 to 75 uh, pretty quick. Um, and I think we're... Is that how triple works? 50-50. <laughs> Sorry, it doubled. Uh, but I think we're, you know, even higher, close to 100, um, you know, running these days um, that, that are, have raised their hands. Now, it's not looking to organize this and, and like make it a like, like we're not forcing people to run it. There's people that have signed up that probably won't end up running an event and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. We're trying to keep it loose, trying to keep it easy to manage. And the same for the, the people who are running the event. Uh, we created a very simple player pack. We created a very simple set of guidelines, but also encouraged them to, to put their own selves and their own spin into it and what they want you know, to accomplish with it. That, that's, that's been one of the things I thought was coolest about it, right? So we it, we made it so it was you could run it whether you're whether you're really experienced or it's your first ever event. But like once it got out in the wild, uh, looking on uh, Facebook groups or you know wherever it's popping up, people saying like, "Here's what I'm doing with my event," and Paul's going to do exactly that for us. We're this this tonight's we're going to be here's one example of you know a direction somebody took it, but just yeah. see people take that idea, and it's it's like. Uh, a grander scale of of what um, the organizers did when we when we built this like there was a little seed an idea and me watching what that developed into <coughs> and then once it got out it exposed to so many more people and watching where it could go from there it's just uh, it's a really cool thing about you know about this hobby in general but it was cool to see with this event of you know where people took it creating their own flyers their own story or figuring out how it fits in with them that's yep. been that's been uh, I think my favorite part of it so far yeah, for me, one of the cool things is one. There's going to be a coalescence event at Warhammer World um, that uh, I believe uh, Mark uh, Mitzman and and Steve Foot are going to be be playing, and a few other people. Uh, I think Jimbo might be on that one too, or is Jimbo running somewhere else? Maybe I can't remember. Um, and then uh, Games Workshop also said that all of the Games Workshop, the Warhammer stores across the world, uh, could run the events as well. So it's something that the the stores can participate in and, and use the packs and that sort of stuff. And because they promoted on the, the community um, website, um, you know that a lot of the Warhammer um, uh, store managers and that sort of stuff have seen it and might be running that, that event too. So um, what the last piece of it is going to be also something that we wanted to keep kind of loose, like uh, the reporting of the results. Um, and so we'll, um, we'll get to the story of this in the story phase, but in the end, each location is going to have um, one grand alliance that is um, kind of risen to the top and has um, uh, attuned this shard. And so, again, more in the story phase. But they'll have risen to the top and won, quote-unquote, the, the, the event for their local community and, uh, and then broadcast that result over his social media with a picture of their player base, you know, whoever attended their event with the, you know, the winning um, whatever alliance uh, won it. And then we'll be able to just from those posts collect the results. It'll be a little bit of a, a mining, data mining thing that you can post on <coughs> the coalescence or the AOS narrative 
uh, Facebook page. Yeah, uh, which I'll probably have to look that up and put that in the notes down below. Um, and then uh, you can post it on Twitter. Um, you can, you know, post it on the TGA event um, and such. And so um, after the event is closed, um, we'll get those all together and we'll find out amidst all of the locations all over the world which Grand Alliance attuned the most um, uh, events and, uh, and uh, you know, kind of affected the global narrative. Right. So it'll, it'll be hopefully just easy for people to, to, at the end, snap that picture and, and share it. And it'll create a lot of, of things for us to, to kind of share online and that sort of stuff. And so be looking for that um, Saturday night, June 10th. Not quite the same as like New Year's fireworks, but close. pretty close. Yeah. I mean, as far as results, I think we are given a, a little bit of a leeway for people who um, might need a day or two to report. So it may not be. They'll they'll start filtering in Saturday night. And, so. It'll be it'll be like little stars in the night sky coming out one by one. Yeah. It'll be beautiful. See what the exit polls read. See if it's. Uh, <laughs> We'll have to get. We'll have to come back on as pundits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Analyze the results. I mean, I'd yeah. watch that feed. Yeah. <laughs> you, would, you might be on it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, wouldn't shy away from giving opinions on it. <laughs> so, um, wouldn't shy away from ignoring them. So. Yeah. So obviously, a huge <laughs> shout out to, um, you know, all of the neos that that thought of this idea, believed in it, put the energy into it. Um, you know, gave their hearts and souls to making this something uh, cool for everybody in the Age of Sigmar community to enjoy. A huge shout out to everybody who raised their hand and said, hey, I'd like to run an event. Um, and if you actually do run an event on, on Saturday, even more props. Um, if you couldn't, you know, that's fine. Hopefully you can take the pack and run it another time. Uh, or, you know, they'll hopefully be next year, right? Um, and yeah, let's, let's get through this year first. Uh, I... <laughs> Failure is not an option. <laughs> Coming from a guy who hasn't lifted a finger, but yeah, all right. Oh, burn! <laughs> and uh, so then, uh, yeah. So just thanks for everybody who's been a part of it. And I'll straight up, thanks Paul for running it here locally. Well, thank um, you. excited to talk about that more. Yeah, and this is a uh, is actually one thing here is that. Um, we did not have Paul in with sort of the global planning. Uh, so he's, he's really coming from a perspective. I don't, we didn't let a lot of details slip as we we're working it. So nope. he kind of found him out on the, the same time frame as uh, anybody else would. So this is, this is his event without any extra inside track uh, by and large. So, but yeah, uh, it's an narrative event. Should we talk a little bit about the story of it or? Yes. Let's do that in the story phase. In the story phase, we delve into the stories, characters, creatures, and environments of the Nine Realms. All right, coalescence narrative. Now, because we try to keep this light, try, because we try to keep this uh, you know, kind of easy, uh, the narrative is pretty sparse. Uh, we try to set a tone that was broad and that um, you know, people could work inside of. Um, so we released this um, just through social media. And we released it in the player pack as well. Um, and so the, the story as a whole focuses around um, a god beast, a god beast by the name of Aristrat. 
and this beast is mindless. It doesn't have its own will. Um, it doesn't have an agenda. It doesn't have d- decisions that it makes or, or something that it wants to accomplish. And it, um, you know, left it vague as far as if that was always a kid or something that when it was imprisoned, um, that that was, you know, stolen from it. But that this is the state that it's in now. Yeah. Do we, do we know what it looks like? I don't. I haven't seen it. Cool. We'll, we'll find out. But we'll find out. Liberty di- divulge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, this, this God beast has been captured and locked away in a location um, that nobody has been able to find. It's, 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 you know, lost in legend. It's trapped between realms. Uh, and it's um, the defining feature of what it's been captured in is a key uh, that has been shaped out of uh, a type of crystal uh, or gem. And uh, that um, uh, gem locks it in place that you would have to, to perform such a deed to unlock it um, that uh, in order to um, let the beast out. But the wizard who trapped him there I don't know if we named the wizard. Lost in the mists of time. Yeah, I mean, he's probably has a name, right? Maybe. Um, and uh, so he locked him in uh, the diaphan, or the, he locked him in the citadel of Karsarun and used the uh, lock, the, the crystal is the diaphanous fastness. Crazy AOS five names, if you ask me. What is a fastness? <laughs> Like a like a hold, oh, okay. Place, place like hole. Specifically, yeah, somewhere where you would uh, consider yourself safe. Sure, yeah. great place to put a god beast. I hear. There you go. <laughs> um. So, but in order to not only you know um, lock, you know, it's kind of like you put a, put it in a lock, or he locks the cage. He puts the cage in a box, and he throws the ca- the box down a dark hole in between rows. Yeah. Um. What? <laughs> In shaping this this lock, this gem, um, whenever you shape a gem or cut a gem, there's little pieces, little shards, little cuttings. Chips, uh, maybe. Chips. <laughs> right. Um, and these chips have uh, spread all over the place, all over the realms. And obviously, humanity and all the different races of the moral realms, they see shiny things and they want. To have them, um, and so what did they do with those? They've been uh, placed throughout the realms, and um, and then uh, almost disguised, uh, or their original uh, where they've been placed. Their the original purpose has been uh, forgotten or lost. So they're in these landmarks and uh, places of, of importance. Um, Somebody's obviously put them like in eyes of statues, right? Like that has to have happened. <laughs> Definitely. Yep. I imagine like some people formed religions around uh, some of these things, right? That maybe there's, you know, the mistiness in them, and they're kind of this, this. Uh, they change colors, like it's it's yeah. got a, a crazy property to it. Some people probably don't even understand what that is, right? It's like an AOS mood ring, basically. What were the shirts that changed colors? That's yeah. exactly what it fucking is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, we can't bleep these out. No. No, that's not being bleeped. Oh, man. We've graduated this show. No. All right. We'll, we'll bow. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah. But no, it's it's a it's an AOS mood ring. Um, so yeah, I mean, you could you could come up with all the different things you could think of the way people, uh, <laughs> humanity and elven kind and dwarven kind, uh, or dwarven kind have you know found themselves attracted to different kinds of materials and formed whole cultures around them, or maybe somebody just you know took it and turned it into a ring that he you know shows his mood with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or somebody cared about. You know, I don't know. You know, there's any number of ways to explain it. And and uh so they've been but they've been scattered all across the realms, uh forgotten in the in the mists of time of what they what they do, <coughs> etc. Um but somehow obviously these legends get out. Um and so uh with this then, um with the discovery of what maybe the connection of these shards are what happens and what what people don't know at first is that these shards are a part of that that diaphanous fastness that main key that locks Aristrat away and when uh and when by how do i put it the the key to unlocking the key is to attune it to one of the grand alliances but it's lost but it was discovered that when any one of these shards is attuned it may have a resonant effect with the key that holds Aristrat. They're still linked back to their their parent, basically. Yeah, and so all these crystals, wherever they are, are connected still, even though they're in 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 chips. And so armies have started to march, or scouts have gone out to um, to find and look for these um, keystone shards, is what they've been called, um, and. If they can go and find the, the the resting place of these shards, again found in, in every imaginable place that you know the mortal races could possibly put them and incorporate them into their their lives and culture, um, and if they perform uh, heroic deeds, uh, not necessarily in the the good or bad, um, good, uh, then they can turn these crystals and attune them to their god, their alliance. Um, and so when uh, the chaos, uh, dreadlords of chaos, attune a keystone sharp, it, shard, it would turn a, a, a deep red. Um, when the forces of order uh, uh, attune a shard, it um, becomes a pure light. Uh, right. Deathlords of the gash turn it an amethyst purple color. And uh, the forces of destruction, um, uh, it, it becomes a green. Violent green. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, um, uh, so now these mar armies are marching, and on Saturday these armies will have, uh, you know, located, and it um, these shards and battles will begin to rage um, in order to prove themselves worthy and uh, the victor of of attuning that shard. And it's pretty good coordination that all the armies showed up at like the same time. Like, yeah, job, that's pretty really. awesome. That's, that's you know, cell phones or something. Yeah. I saw realms and cell phones. How do you call them? A wizard did it. Well, so that, <laughs> Portals. That's the thing, though, is that they've all got to be, you know, it's it's probably, you know, some weird thing. They may not all be happening at the same time, right? but time in the realms are kind of compacting it yeah. into June 10th. I mean, I mean. <laughs> but, uh, wow, I didn't know we had the same calendar in the mortal realms. This is awesome. 
all the uh, all the alliances are you know working on working on attuning, trying to get you know most of the the shards in their favor, but they're all looking for a, a different end result, right? So yeah. the um, uh, for instance, death is looking not to control it, but to kill it. Cause this is, this is a God beast that spans multiple realms. It's like essence. Uh, and you release that much, you know, that powerful, uh, death would release a huge amount of death magic, which, um, is what Nagash is looking for. There'd be one um, big soul. Yeah. The, uh, chaos is looking if, if they can corrupt the soul of this and that's, you know, that's a, basically like a, a conduit of corruption across the realms um you know this this corrupting influence that uh like you know taint taint the uh water table basically um and uh Same you know, my problem <laughs> nice. we're not gonna take that pun anywhere else uh, <laughs> yeah or order is looking they've they've learned their learned their lesson from uh uh, from the realm gate wars where god beasts just did in, incredible destructions they're looking to put the the beast back to sleep um, and uh, settle it and have like that, use that as a, like a calming, um, stabilizing influence. And uh, Destruction just wants to wake it up and let it loose and watch <laughs> it like, kick over some cities, and, you know. Yeah. Trail behind it, just hooting and hollering. Yeah, exactly. Ride on it. Who knows? <laughs> Surf it. Yeah. Death ride. A Ma Crusher, which is surfing on the God Beast. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Ma Crushers can surf? That's amazing. Well, anyone can surf. Yeah. If you have a big enough board. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a guiding philosophy right there. Yeah. That's how I live my life. Yeah. <laughs> so so I had, Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go to Sheboygan. You can surf there. Yeah, I guess. Um, I had a really interesting thought, actually, uh, on this narrative. Um, in my head, the way that it kind of worked is that Aristrat is able to communicate somehow through these facets. Right, so it's actually him communicating with all these different facets, and the thing that actually signifies that they are uh, part of this diaphanous fastness is their right. Um, and I, I guess in my head, the vast majority of these shards are actually in control of one of these grand alliances already, right? But nobody knows it because they never change color, right? They're in control of some death hold, but it's always purple. It doesn't change color, so nobody knows that that's actually a shard of the diaphanous fastness. Sure. Head, the places that all these people are converging on are actually places where the people who knew what it was have been killed or slaughtered. And the people who slaughtered them didn't know what it was that was left there. And so everybody's converging on these abandoned locations because they're the only locations where the shards are not attuned. Yeah, so like, there's a shard that was held by a, a, um, a devoted of Sigmar, you know, church, and it was always shined a pure light because Sigmar's people were the only ones around it. Uh, they got slaughtered exactly. by destruction and it turned to green and everyone's like, what the? And they figured it out, right? Like, oh, I've seen crystals like this before. I've seen something like this before. and so word spread from there that's interesting it's wrong but it's interesting <laughs> just kidding no that's a cool idea i like it i can't what do you think uh, aristrat looks like how would you imagine him big badger, <laughs> <laughs> I think beavers are way more destructive than badgers 
Possibly. You got that big tail, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess I've thought uh, sort of serpent style. I mean, I know we already have like the drakes or whatever, but I, I think of like, uh, you know, like isn't, I don't know, Norse mythology, you've got like the serpent coiled in the roots of the world tree. I don't know how to say that, Yggdrasil or something like Yggdrasil. that. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. I guess that uh, has that kind of link for it to me. So that's that's how I imagine it. Yeah. I think I imagine it kind of like a, a minotaur or a bull in a china shop kind of kind of thing at one point. Nice. Aaron, what are you thinking? Kool-Aid man? I can't hear you. You got yourself muted, buddy. Oh, I do have myself muted. Muted. Um, I'm thinking uh, serpent too. So Davy sort of took mine. Um, but like, yeah, something uh, flying, sort of in the air, impossibly long, a very large, a lot of teeth uh, situation. Perfect oh, yeah. for for surfing. Is you could go you could go cosmic <laughs> horror with this as well, like little elder god sort of thing. You know, sure, mm-hmm. yeah, formless, yeah. formless horror. So yeah. So yeah, you can. And that's the thing is, you could. Yeah, this story has what my one of my favorite things about you know the Age of Sigmar um, books and the campaign books is just dropping little titles and little things that you know could mean anything. Like Aristrat also sounds a little vampiric, yeah. um, so it could be something that just goes around like just absorbs you know the souls of things and or maybe the the magics out of. Um, so it could be a giant morgul <laughs> you know um or if but, we're dealing uh, with like gems and stuff it could be like a, a golem of some sort like made yeah. of crystal stuff. yeah that'd be interesting if the the diaphanous fastness was its heart what mm. yeah Ooh. yeah that'd be cool probably wrong but so it's like <laughs> literally you're just finding pieces of its heart that's kind of creepy mm. Well, yeah, I mean, somebody chiseled away. I mean, art. This is the point, I, though. Like you, you can build something like dark. This that that remains wide open, so that anyone wherever they are can take their own. Uh, you know, like when you when you're overly prescriptive with what you've set up, then you know uh, it might connect with somebody. It might not. You leave some something open interpretation. People can make it their own, and then they they're more, they have that chance to connect with it. So you try to find that line. Yeah. And it's like you're saying, it's one of the things that. Um, particularly in AOS, but in the past, um, I've enjoyed is when those little hooks um, giving you some way to think about it and explore it on your own, rather than have it listed out as a as a history book of this is exactly what this is and this is exactly what you know. That's that's the stuff that interests me least. So keeping it open is pretty pretty sweet. Yeah. But, uh, we got I mean, someone here. Go ahead. It's the, most, it's the most appropriate for this kind of thing where you're trying to encourage lots of people to make it their own in order to step up and, and run an event like you keep it too tight and you're only going to appeal to some people right right so right. but uh, yeah. we got somebody here who's had to interpret it for himself right you want to yeah talk about our own personal hobby hero paul wagner right. here in the- let's jump into the hero phase <laughs> I enjoy watching you make the mouth for the sound that comes out for the hero face. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, actually, so um, so Paul, what, after we started talking about it, like, I don't even remember, did you, we've talked, we talked about it a little bit locally, but not a ton prior to it, like, getting announced. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what was it that made you want to run an event? Uh, well, I'll, I mean, the very basic was you, both Eric and Davey, have been so involved on the global scale. Um, I really wanted to have a local event that I, just so you guys could actually attend it, right? I, I didn't want you guys to have gone to all this work and not be able to attend an event yourself. Right? Thanks, I mean, man. that's... That's that's part of where uh, that's a lot of where it came from. Um, so, <laughs> single team. I mean, I wanted you guys to attend an event too. Me too. <laughs> Very strongly. Yeah. Did you? I could feel it. I could feel he it. Wins the game, so that's why he's he's showing up to it. <laughs> that's true. It's an ego boost. Well, Aaron had been helping uh, the game nights, and Paul was kind of like, "What the fuck are they doing?" <laughs> no. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, so it just kind of started out with um, what exactly was possible uh, with what we had. Uh, we're actually running the event at a local board game store. Uh, it's called I'm Bored. So it's not technically in Madison, it's actually in Middleton, um, which is very close. Uh, but the benefit of that is that there's no cost to running the event there. You run an event at a local game store, you don't have any upfront costs, which is a really nice thing that we have. Um, and so once I decided that we were going to run the event, there was definitely a lot of thought put into exactly how that event was going to be run. Um, <clears throat> and there's two major things uh, to thank. And again, one of them is Eric. Um, Eric actually uh, helped to organize a local event uh, here, or a local campaign, excuse me, here in Madison, um, where we basically AOSified the city. So we took locations around the city and um, translated them into the mortal realms and played games based in those. Uh, so Eric, do you remember any of those locations that you were kind of talking about? Yeah, so that was our Annihilation of Hayish campaign. We were all uh, building our destruction armies and we were playing as kind of our own escalation league. Um, we don't need to go into any of the shaming that happened. <laughs> There's a lot of shaming. Um, but yeah, we had uh, finished. <laughs> there was the, was the, the 18 nests of, or the Star Drake nests. What was that called? So it was a golf course called Hawks Landing. And we turned it into the, the like an area or something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Star Drake. Star, yeah. Epic Systems is a big campus here on town, or big, um, you know, uh, medical software company, and so we called it the the Library of Epicuridemis or something like that. Uh, so yeah, we we gave them a bunch of, of AOSified names. We didn't make it to to the downtown though. No, no, but that was that was in the plan, right? It that was unscathed. When we uh, <laughs> we started the plan, that was the idea is to get down there. Um, well, our yeah. Our whole story was that because we're destruction armies, we just just go to these. So we're in Hayish, this beautiful place, right, of light and knowledge and all that kind of stuff. And we're just going to go in and break all their toys. <laughs> yeah. Yep, it was a, it was a fun way of doing it where you're, you're, there's no, uh, it's not like capturing terrain. It's just you know who, who <laughs> just, gets to be the first one to kick it over, just raising it to yeah. the ground. Yeah, this was me. Yeah. I did this. This was me. <laughs> Muffler print and sort. <laughs> Huh? Huh? Eric, how many ogres did you run? Huh? Destroying my poor little goblins. Yeah, that was that was a lot of. We just yeah, 
Ogres eating goblins was nice. It was good. It tastes like chicken. Uh, so uh, to move on from that, uh, what it really woke in me is that thought that I think, which is you walk by somewhere and you go, it'd be really cool if I could make a battlefield that would kind of match this place, right? Or this area. Um, I think it's something that, like I said, everybody has that idea. Uh, and I've had that idea kind of knocking on my head for a while. Um, and the, there was actually a, a podcast. This is the second shout out. Um, so Chris from the Black Sun did a podcast with Bishmeister where he talked about, um, kind of talked about everything about him. So what made him tick as far as like AOS experience, et cetera. Uh, and <clears throat> one of the big things on there is he talks about how he does architect's models. And he talks about architect's models. Um, and this material is called expanded PVC or PVC foam um, is another place that you might, another term that you might hear for it. Uh, and I was very intrigued by the idea of being able to use this material because it sounded a little bit more flexible than plastic card. Um, and it just, I've always been interested in that aspect of the hobby. Uh, so I ordered about enough material to make three tables. Um, just to kind of get an idea for how that was going to work out. Um, my background itself is that my dad actually um, was a woodcarver for the vast majority of his life. Um, so he taught me how to woodcarve when I was about probably eight or nine years old. Uh, that's something that I haven't really continued, but one of the really nice things about this PVC has a density that is somewhat comparable to wood, uh, and it is easily carvable with the materials that you use to carve wood and with the tools. Um, so there was definitely a satisfaction there. Um, and then once I was able to figure out that the material worked, uh, I decided that I was just going to go whole hog and see what I could do with it. Um, and so the idea is that I took a physical location in our city, which is the state capital. Um, I went and looked at it probably four or five times. Uh, drew a bunch of drawings of what my ideas were, uh, which was another thing that Bischmeister had mentioned, which was incredibly helpful to just kind of draw on paper what it is that you want and what it is that you want to look at and what, you, what it is that you want it to look like. Yeah, I've seen um, and then came up a lot with like uh, boards and, and such. You know, it's not something I've, I've, I've done much of, but even, you know, because I'm like not much of an artist, so I'm like, I don't know, I'd get much out of it, but I think just you know, getting getting something in for your plans is, is a is a good call. So. I don't know. I think maybe the artwork behind you proves that you're you're quite the artist. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to mention that. Yeah. I was looking for my end. That was perfect. I, I tried taking some of it down and then just have tears for. Uh... No, don't take it down. <laughs> you should be proud of it, Davey. Yeah, absolutely. Aaron, you have no art on your wall. What? Well, so, uh, it's, it's completely there. What are we doing the the room? That's a different conversation. <laughs> um, so uh, the idea being that you run the event that you want to run. Uh, so I came up with an idea uh, for a table, and then uh, to be honest, I was kind of waiting for the scenarios themselves to get released because I had an idea for what I wanted to do. Uh, and then when the scenarios themselves were released, I was fit, trying to figure out how to fit the idea into the scenarios themselves. 
Uh, so different table designs. The first scenario for coalescence is about approaching uh, this location. Uh, so it's about two armies starting on one side and both running to the same place. Uh, so that became to the Gibbering Dome, as it's called. Uh, so that's the name we came up for, the AOSification of the capital. And Why then, well, I mean, I know, but you, you tell me. It was a lot of just, it was an amusing thought to uh, just imagine all of the chaos and all of the non-agreement that's happening in the capital and to transfer that over into AOS. Yeah. Originally, I was going to call it Broken Wings, but that didn't, that didn't translate nearly as well. So. Hey, yeah. Broken Wings. That was exactly the concern that we know. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Our worst, <laughs> worst nightmares have come true. Yeah, that's why you don't name things that are lyrics of songs. Uh, so, um, from there, then it was a basic idea of how to break down the architectural elements of the capital into something that was actually possible to make. Uh, and then also to figure out how to change the layout itself so that it actually made for a good AOS game as well. Um, and that was a lot of back and forth of discussing that with different people to get an idea for what people thought would be a good idea a bad idea and why. Um, so the first scenario is the approach to the capital. The second scenario is actually going to be running through the halls. And then the third scenario is actually going to be uh, basically an elevated platform in the center of the capital itself, as it were, under the dome. Um, yeah. So to, to note at first, yeah. you one of your first drawings and thoughts was that it was going to be like four pieces of terrain mm -hmm. on the tables, like on, on not on all the tables, but on four tables to represent, because our, our capital is kind of a dome in the middle and it's got four wings coming out like an X. Right. Yep. And so you're going to do just that. And then on it. it changed. Yeah. And then the rest, yeah. you know, the rest of us would be, you know, the other tables would be people, people playing, like not quite in the, the thing itself, right? Yeah, around mm -hmm. the capital. Yeah. So what, yeah. what made you decide? Was it the material? Um, because now, what what is your, what define the goal that you've set for yourself, and and I mean that you've I mean you've accomplished it. I, in my opinion, we've still got some some things to do. But mm. what was it went from four pieces of terrain that looked like the halls, the, each of the wings of the the dome, to mm. what you have now? And can you describe what you've set upon? Uh, so basically, instead of the idea of building four pieces of terrain. Uh, the original idea was to make a hallway and then to have two elevated sides on either side to make uh, just, I, I really enjoyed the idea of having separate levels uh, on a playing table itself. So that ended up turning into the second table. Um, and then once I was actually breaking down how I'm going to make these tables, um, the actual material cost for the tables themselves um, is breaking down to somewhere in the neighborhood of I could remake these tables for about $20. Um, and once I realized that that was a possibility, I was like, well, if I can make these tables for $20, that's an amazing, you know, uh, that's an amazing savings on pretty much anything. Um, <clears throat> and also it was just, I don't have a large amount of storage. So there was a large concern of how am I going to store or all going to work? Um, and 
in the end, it meant that because we were going to be running three scenarios, I couldn't make a piece of terrain that's going to be solid because, for example, um, there are two two-by-two-foot squares that are in the center. Now, the table itself is not going to be played on a mat. It's not going to be played on uh, Realm of Battleboard. It's actually going to be played on this uh, expanded PVC that's been carved to match some of the uh, elements of design that's in the capital itself. You've you've made uh, four by four, like seven four by four tables, where yep. basically your you've recreated your own realm of battle boards that resemble the the marble tiling and you know construction of our capital. Yeah, at the end of are the day, you are you <laughs> insane? Uh, I'm not spending hundreds of dollars buying Roman battle boards when I can just come to you, man. Like you could, <laughs> Paul can literally build anybody a Roman battle board by carving PVC. In fact, Paul oh. will literally build anybody a Roman battle board. <laughs> That'd be about a hundred bucks. You know, two hundred dollars. Two hundred dollars, <laughs> and it's, it'll be personal. Uh, yeah, no, it uh, it kind of exploded into a whole lot more than I thought it was going to be to begin with. Uh. But at the same time, it just, like I said, my dad is a woodcarver his whole life, and being able to do that carving again, it, it just became a very satisfying thing. Yeah. And I made a very conscious decision at the very beginning of this project to not attempt to go over what I knew I was capable of. Um, so to a certain extent, and this is giving a little bit away, but um, I bought an architect's T-square, the tile pattern. Um, and attention span sometimes can wane. I can definitely have the energy to keep something going, but paying attention to the little details can be a problem. Um, I started with uh, the first tile that I built. I tried to make the squares exact, but each square is two inches wide because it's the width of the T-square. And each, um, as I would call it, uh, is a quarter inch wide. So if you take a 24-inch board, and you go from one side to the other, you end up with an irregular shape. Sure. So the first time I tried it was on the left side, and I'm like, well, it doesn't work. So then the, the other side that I carved, I was like, oh, I could actually do this in the middle. And then that compensates for my non-exactness, as it were, because then I have five regular squares, one on the right side, one on the left side, and then the space in the middle between like three, uh, and four inches, but it's like three and seven eighths or three. I'm not going to be very good at measuring that. So I based all the dimensions on this basic tile pattern and then broke them down from there. Um, and once I was able to get an idea for what the 24 by 24 was going to look like, then I had to approach the 12 by 24 pieces that are actually going to be the elevated um, sides of the hallway and come up with a different design. Part of it also was to simplify the design of the capital down to the point where I knew I could make. Uh, so for the 2 by 2s I've made 14 of them. For the 12 by 24s uh, what's 4 by 7 28 So, so I, I made think, 28 of those. Yeah, I think some of this uh, dimensional stuff is probably pretty hard to uh, picture for somebody who can't you know, look at it or yeah. who's, who's listening right now. But um, suffice to say, like, when you're done building this, it was literally you're sending us pictures, and it was like going from, you know, like the table up to the ceiling of terrain stacked up. Like you're literally yep. building 
uh, enough miniature walls that you're building an actual wall in your uh, in your house. So that was yeah, they actually don't fit all the way up to the ceiling. <laughs> so. But uh, one of the cool things you you kind of touched on here is that you're gonna you'd be able to uh, use these to kind of construct a new setup with the boards each time, right? Like so, mm-hmm. we'll play game one. You'll have them, you know, set up for that first scenario, um, and then you know. People will step away for lunch. You'll change them up so that we got uh, a different setup for the second and all that sort of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Definition of modular, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and again, like like Davey pointed out, it's kind of hard to talk about because I've been working on it for so long. I have all this stuff in my head. Um, and it, it was such a physical thing, and that was part of what kind of scared me. So I, I set a lot of, like, goals for myself as it originally I was going to have the minimum goal be to make four um four by four tables and then I'd have the four wings and that would be fine but then once it became apparent that it was actually going to be able to be more than that uh I was like well if I have the time I'll do it and I ended up finishing yesterday which uh well for the construction which I'm still a bit flabbergasted that I actually managed to finish it yeah, I I only realized like part of the way just how many because for a while I I thought you were still doing just the four tables and all of a sudden uh, I was like oh my god <laughs> like I don't, I don't know if he's actually mathed out the time on this I don't know how that's actually going to be accomplished but you know I figured there was always the bailout one of the, of the original idea if you couldn't get there so yeah. Eric are you able to take over the the screen I don't know if you're doing that right now I mean maybe you are but I think he's broadcasting pictures right now yeah yeah. Well, and I, I also have been documenting pretty much every picture that I've been taking as well on my Instagram account. So if you go to PJ Shard on Instagram, you can see from the very beginning um, how everything actually works out. And to be honest, I've never actually set up one of these tables complete. How could you from beginning not? To end. I didn't have the material. Right <laughs> I know. Like To be honest, I definitely thought about it. Uh, but... At the end of the day, it's going to be an immensely satisfying thing to set them up for the first time actually at um, I'm bored and get that all kind of taken care of, as it were. Sam Metal, set them again. <laughs> and that's where you find your measurements are 25% off. In a show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I actually did right. physically go in and lay down the tiles to make sure, yep, this will actually fit. Because that was definitely one of my concerns. I'm going to ask the hard-hitting questions. What are you going to do with them all when you're done? Well, everything um, actually can fit in my garage, oh. except uh, the <laughs> 24 car. by 12 platforms. No, they can still fit in. I, I fit in my car last night. Um, but those 24 by... I'm sorry? We're going to use them to build a Waffle House. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my dream. My dream is to build a Waffle House based on an AOS version of the Wisconsin Capitol. I'm gonna make millions. It'll be amazing. A fever. Brandon. Yeah. Uh, so those 24 by 12 are actually gonna be cut up probably, uh, but then I can just reassemble them again with super glue. Oh, fun. So yeah. So I think I think, I mean, obviously, they're flat packed and they could easily come out on game nights. Oh yeah. Or you know. We obviously need to set up a a campaign, you know, with these uh, and get some more use out of them for sure. 
Um, mm-hmm. Tomorrow night, so Friday night, the night before the event, uh, we're going to do a little bit of painting on them. Yeah, because that's not my strong suit. <laughs> well, I'll be honest. Don't sell yourself short. Uh, but I mean, it is something. I mean, you've, I mean, already tackled something pretty amazing by building all these tables. Um, and but to be able to kind of you know do some, I don't know if we're going to get be able to get much marble. I've never done any marbling, you know, the veins yeah. and that sort of stuff. It's been pretty popular around the scene with, um, uh, you know, with some of of the people that you you know know were as good painters. Uh, mm. Well, Vince there. recently did his uh, Sigmar. Yep. For example. Yeah. That was crazy. So, yeah, I don't know if we'll get too nuts with that, but certainly trying to put a little bit more color into them and see what we can do. So. Yeah, no, I, to be honest, I didn't realize that I was actually going to be able to finish in enough time to get stuff painted. Even like the beginning of the week, I was like, oh, well, you know, and that's, and that's part of it is because I've never done it before. I didn't have a good budget for how it was going to work. Um, yeah. But the, the benefit is that I'm a stay-at-home dad. So if I need to have more time, I can kind of make more time. Yeah. So uh, that worked out pretty well. It's a hell of a, hell of a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were down in the garage with me, playing out in the driveway. With I, was, no- I thought when you said that paying attention to the details would be the hard part was... Was you saying the kids ran off a couple of times and you know <laughs> picked up the sharp tools and started carving things and well that's actually um, my workspace is actually my kitchen mm-hmm. and our uh, the play space where the kids typically play is actually their living room so I mean there were a lot of advantages that I have uh, based on kind of how my house is set up and how my livelihood is set up that enabled this to happen I mean I yeah. I definitely didn't think that everything was actually going to work out and everything was actually going to show up, but apparently it I will. And it, it did. It's looking good. <laughs> it almost like it coalesced into existence. <laughs> what? That face is going to be wonderful. I want a screen cap of that face. That'd be great. We can make that the splash screen. <laughs> so, um, Oh, well, so awesome, and and so, um, and then as far as you know, the story and things that you want people to pl- be playing, is there anything else that you're changing up for the event, um, or kind of of kind of making it your own? Um, well, part of it is that um, in the first and the second scenario, you're actually going to have to choose where your models go based on their size, right? Um, so I have uh, these arches. There are two arches scenario on the second scenario uh, and they have openings that are four inches by six inches if your model doesn't fit you can't go through those openings right but then in the first scenario there's going to be a four inch wall on the left or the right so you can go over those um, and in the second scenario you can go over the four inch wall by climbing up onto the gallery as it were and then climbing over as well uh, so a lot of the discussion um, on the format itself was basically on and using these design elements to do that. Um, but then also part of it is just simply that you're going to be fighting indoors. Um, so I think uh, flyers might have an issue um, going their full movement, possibly. Um, but I'm still kind of trying to figure that out because that's, that's a uh, scary issue. So we'll see that because that's not a simple rule that you can just kind of drop somebody down to your base movement like it was in 8th uh, edition. So. Yeah. 
Eric, you 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 regretting your big monsters in your list now? <laughs> you know, um, no, because uh, Tarkos is not afraid of walls or <laughs> hallways or anything. So, what? so he's a, he's not afraid of anything at all. No. What about except, I don't know? Except like, except the Everwinter. What? Except the Everwinter. He's afraid of the Everwinter. Isn't he like the embodiment of the Everwinter? No, no, he escaped it. They're trying to stay ahead of it. Yeah, he totally escaped it. Where all the other East Claw Raiders are fools. We can talk about this later, though, because <laughs> there's some new developments there. Good segue, though. <laughs> yes, yes. So should we? Anything else you want to share about uh, you know your event, Paul? I mean, I'm super pumped about it. I mean, not only is it cool that you're running you know this event here locally, um, but that you've I mean this epic undertaking is pretty cool. I mean to walk in you know to be able to go in there. I wish I might not even help you set up just so that I can walk in and see it for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, oh yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> you better be at my house because not all that stuff fits in my car. We're going to have an issue. <laughs> but in there, I could probably figure that out. But, but I mean, I, I, I can't wait to take a picture of all of these tables set up. Um, yeah. I, you know. And that's probably part of the reason why I haven't actually assembled them because I want that to actually be, it to be playing, but I want to be able to see that as it shows up, you know, like uh, to be able to experience that as it were. So. Sure. It's very cool. Anything you guys want to say? Uh, I've seen the pictures. I'm enthused yeah. uh, and jazzed. Reserve your thanks for see what happens <laughs> outside of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Let's see if you can pull it off. <laughs> I'm sure. No, no pressure. A, good a lot of pressure, man. I have high expectations. Continue. No. We we talked about the the different ways people could take it. And Paul, you know, Paul chose to pour a ton of energy into making these custom tables, and some people have done it by. Uh, I've seen people some people doing like a, a particular narrative, like they combined all the um, army backgrounds and are making them into like a distributable book, so everyone knows what everyone else's story is. And it's just there's so many there's so many ways to make your event your own, and yeah. this is a this is a cool way. Mm -hmm. uh, no. Tyler Mangles uh, putting his in the endless desert. Yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah, whole whole like his own. He's got more narrative written for his local event than we wrote for the global. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, um, uh, Sean Houghton from uh, Hobby Hammer is running his event as a skirmish event. Um, so instead of bringing fifteen hundred points to start, um, he's starting a uh, skirmish uh, point sizes and, and and rule sets, which is really cool. Is he still going to get smaller, like from a skirmish? I believe so, but I, I, I've not been able to to. I've only peeked at his pack. Um, sure, that'd so, be cool. Um, so I mean, yeah, things like that that are just it's it's really cool. Obviously, those guys are neos. They were part of the global event, so they kind of had probably their mind churning. Um, and you know, we'll talk about it uh, after the event too about how, you know. We had so many amazing creative people um, giving input and trying to to homogenize that down to to a simple thing that everybody could kind of grab onto. It's cool seeing them take some of their own ideas that they had that you know that they wanted to make the big event into uh, and make it into something 
you know, different and, and use that in their local space. So, yeah. All right. Well, it's cool. We're all excited. It's going to be awesome. So why don't we jump into uh, the campaign phase? In the um, campaign phase, we explore how the plastic hits the table, rule scenarios, new tactics, and narrative campaigns. And well, don't sound excited for it or anything. <laughs> why do you hate campaigns so much, Davey? Just, why do you hate Davey so much? Come on. Well, I mean, the list is very long. He doesn't want to have one of those weird screen caps where his huge face is hugely expressive. They're terrible. They ruin your reputation. Yeah. What a reputation it is. Uh, <laughs> Sterling. So in this case, for a narrative event, we're, we're thinking about it like, you know, uh, when our models hit the table, we're going to talk about uh, why our models are hitting the table in this narrative campaign. So we're going to give some of the... Um, Paul, obviously, is running the event, so he doesn't have a force in it. But um, Eric and Aaron and I are all uh, running with uh, some of our forces, and we're explaining why they're involved. So Eric, why don't you kick us off? What do you... What, uh, what brings Tarkos Nidlord to the... All right. Well, partially because he was painting. I mean, no, wait, wait, no. <laughs> Let me get this into his head. Um, so Tarkos, uh, in his origin story, he left his Frost Lord. He was a Huskard, and he still is a Huskard. But he left his, his Frost Lord because he always had these schemes for how they might escape the Everwinter. And if you don't know, the, the Beast Claw... Uh, raiders are uh, there's a curse upon the very first frost lord and now this everwinter chases every uh, beast claw raider and tribe um, and so they're constantly on the move they're constantly in a caravan trying to outrun it uh, and Tarkos had the idea well every time I gesture with my hands I jiggle my camera uh, Tarkos had the idea that he, he thought he could had some plans for escaping it once and for all and his most recent and the origin of the army is that he took a band and he escaped. They found a realm gate into the endless desert. And what better way to fight the ever winter with the endless desert than with the endless desert. And so they've, they had escaped into there. Once they got there, um, if you've seen the army, uh, it, they, uh, their, their, uh, particular beast didn't quite survive the, the, desert very well but as they came into the realm gate they saw this uh, meteorite the shooting star come down and explode in, over the horizon and they chased it down and it was these bugs these bug things and so there was this big battle where they just clobbered and punched and chewed and uh, whatever each other and eventually um, came this kind of symbiotic relationship between the, the, the two um, and I used Tyranid models for my big monsters and little monsters, etc., along with the ogres. So they've had some time at the point of, of this. They've had some time in the endless desert, and they've come across a lot of things, and they've, um, he was, he's been very confident that he's escaped the Everwinter, but it might appear as though the Everwinter has caught up to them a little bit. <laughs> and so... Uh, hearing about this, uh, these keystone shards, um, you know, this sort of thing. He wants to, to fight, curry favor with, with Gork by helping unleash this beast. And maybe this beast could eat the Everwinter and he wouldn't have to deal with it. He's doesn't really make that much sense, but he's, he's an ogre. So whatever. <laughs> uh, 
everything ends up with eating. So maybe I can have this thing eat something, you know, and it'll be good. So that's what Tarkos is coming out with. He's uh, coming out on his uh, Stonehorn, his uh, uh, Stone Effects, and then he's bringing his uh, Beast Rider. Uh, he's got a Beast Rider on uh, Beast Riders on um, Thunder Tusk, Thunder Specs, mm -hmm. and then uh, got some Mornfang, some uh, Yetis, um, some uh, Frost Sabers, a Hunter. So the only other hero is a Hunter. Um, and uh, of of course the skull formation. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I, I this was part of this is the list I was going to take to Wapaka. Um, didn't get to play in that narrative event um, because of uh, reasons, and uh, and so yeah, I'm pretty excited to be able to to pull this list out. Cool. So that's what I'm doing. That's my backstory. Uh, Aaron, what you got? Um, all right, so I want to play ogres as well um when you think like the ogre like power list like what what, what do people play these days nobody beast plays claw. No, that's not true it's beast claw right uh, so beast it turns claw. out in the moral realms that's the case too the strongest ogres are the beast claw ogres and i mean there's there's other ogres out there and they don't they don't like the fact that beast claw get all the attention that they're strongest and they have all these beasts um uh, associated with them so mm -hmm. my general uh what's his name um uh, org but he's org the uh the ground bound because he himself he uh, he has nothing to ride he's got no beasts and he's the head of uh of a gut buster tribe i guess you'd call it maybe mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know what the term is for so I'm, i'll be playing gut busters um would that be um gutbusters.org <laughs> oh, i like that that's good you're, you're on top of your game tonight. I appreciate that. Um, so uh, he's a he's a he's a butcher, and actually remind me, there's no like mages in the in the beast claw like book, right? No right. mages. Yeah, yeah because they no don't need him. He had no he had no place there. They wouldn't they wouldn't pick him up, and that that <laughs> kicks him off. He's not a big fan. Um, so uh, he's leading this band of you know foot slogger ogres. Everybody sort of relegated to walking on their own two feet, um, and he hears that oh no, there's this there's this god beast available. And what better way to one up those gosh darn beast claw raiders is if he were able to get his hands on that god beast, maybe ride it around, maybe surf it. I don't know. Uh, he hasn't thought that far ahead. He's an ogre. Um, and so he's convinced these other ogres to follow him and his quest to uh, not necessarily appease Gorgon Morgan or anything like that, but to get his hands on that, that beast. I don't know, maybe take over the beast claw raiders, supplant whatever their, their leader is. I mean, there's an original frost Lord or something like that. Um, and, uh, Usher in a new age of of beast associated Ooh. ogres, whatever. The, um, but to convince the rest of the ogres to follow him, though, his he, like right. he wants the beast for himself, so he has to convince these other ogres to come with him. Um, he's he's convincing them that when they when they find uh, uh, Strad, um that they're going to eat him instead. Um, but that's not his plan. He's going to yoke him under his will and fly around. So so he's. You're telling me that he's um, goaded his ogres, his gutbuster tribe, into joining him by bribing them with an all-you-can-eat buffet. Basically, uh, does that I surprise like you? <laughs> <It's fantastic. laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. I, believe, I believe Davey's up next. Hit me with some. Hit me with some fluff. Yeah. So I got uh, 
the uh, Shrieking Requiem is the name of this war band. And they're, uh, they're, there's the three different factions uh, primarily within uh, the followers of Slanesh these days. And uh, one of them is Seekers uh, who, are, who are attempting to find their lost god. There's some who are like, eh, it doesn't matter. There's some who are trying to replace her slash him. Uh, but uh, mine, mine are, are uh, doing the, the Seeking thing. They're trying to find their missing god. Well, Lady Tatsil, the Marquise of the Shrieking Requiem, she, she's been leading these expeditions. She heard about this tale, this you know massive sleeping entity uh, that needs to be unleashed, and uh, makes the incorrect conclusion that, or maybe not, but that the uh, this this might be um, Slanesh. So uh, she's yeah. doing her Ooh. part to do that. And if at some point um, she realized that it's not then it still ends up being a good bargaining chip you know if she um you know she can earn some patronage with some other uh followers of chaos and uh use that to to gain more information you know trade it to zinch or the scave and get some get some juicy deets about what's going on so nice i like this i i approve of this uh conception that aristrat might actually be swanesh that's awesome <laughs> So that's, that's her. That's her theory. <laughs> so, yeah. so, something has been jailed between worlds. So, mm, nice, nice, man. It's gonna be so good. Um, yeah. How many we got? Paul, how many players are signed up? Uh, the moment we are at fourteen. That's so, awesome. uh, about the max for the space. And and the goal is to have everybody have a little bit of a little bit of background, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. I want to know who I'm piling up on <laughs> i want to be able to call him by name when yeah. I'm, I'm i'm bagging on him what is because you you two guys destruction and i know we've got at least one or two more which you're already up to like a quarter to a third of the the field being destruction uh, so yeah i'm great a little unsure but um because yeah. we just had a, a switch out with one of the people dropped and somebody else uh piled in so but yeah, we got a decent amount of chaos. I don't know if we had any death, but I haven't. To be honest, I've been so consumed with the building, uh, yeah. I haven't paid attention to much else. Well, that's part of this that people can like pledge different um, allegiances, right? Regardless of what the army is. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can yeah. come with that, and on the day of, you can pledge towards someone else. Uh, um, I mean, I wouldn't do that, but someone. We also built in a mechanic, so if so that if people, if you did have an, a lopsided and people wanted to play what they wanted, what they brought as the allegiance they brought it. There's an underdog mechanic. Um, this was way before uh, the skirmish underdog stuff came out. <laughs> but just basically a mechanic that gives any, whichever allegiance has, alliance has the lowest number basically of, of players is going to gain bonuses on the score because you think about, you know, if, 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 the, if the shard is resonant to heroic deeds, then the alliance that has the least kind of backup, everything they do is going to seem more heroic uh, against such great odds, right? So so there's some mechanics in there to, to help balance the imbalance. It's a little bit. Yeah. And it'd be, it'd be fun to see uh, how it works out on the day. I, I, I'm pretty proud of that mechanic. Actually, that was uh, some brainstorming with Aaron. He uh, came up with some of the the feats scorecard idea um, when we were sipping on some beers. Um, so 
Uh, it, was a, it was a group effort. Yeah. yeah but uh, that was, that was, uh, I remember the thing clicking into place. So I'm, I'm excited. It, it ended up being kind of a scalable way to, the, the trick is, you know, you want to tell this story, but an event like this, there's no guarantee you're going to have equal teams. And, you know, yeah. we kind of, you saw that with the summer campaign last year, right? Yeah. A little bit. I, I imagine that was, that contributed to the fact that order cleaned, cleaned house, but. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but, so looking that forward to playing is that. looking forward to hearing about other people's, you know, events elsewhere. Um, that's, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun weekend. Um, so there's a Twitter hashtag, right? Like if, uh, if I want to follow it, what, what is the hashtag? Oh, uh, C G N E one seven, uh, 17. Yeah. Right on. Uh, Clo coalescence global narrative event 17. I just, uh, I just wrote it down. We're good. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll provide that in the notes below and uh, um, in the show notes as well. All right. Awesome. Sorry. Anything else you guys want to share before we go? I, I loved that pulling up the phone and fake typing. That was amazing. Aaron. That wasn't it. fake typing. I'm just really good at typing and not looking. <laughs> By touch, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm a millennial. That's what we do. Keyboards like this. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Thank you All for right. uh, taking this time with me and uh, Paul for sharing uh, the preamble for, for this upcoming event. And hopefully we'll get a chance to share um, uh, kind of how the event went afterwards. Unfortunately, it's time for our reforging. Come discuss the show on the TGA.community forums. Follow us on Twitter. Like and subscribe down below here on YouTube and review us on iTunes. All of that goes a long way to helping others find our show and diving into the stories of Age of Sigmar. Um, lastly, if you want to support the show, we have Moral Realm status tokens available as a free do-it-yourself printable download or for $15 plus shipping, um, you can have 60 full-color, high-quality laser cut tokens to help you keep track of your synergies on the battlefield. Find the links in the show notes and comments below. Looking forward to uh, playing you guys on Saturday. Thank you, you everybody. That now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Adios, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.